0: These these are three books that frequently are on my mind, and I'd be glad to tell the reader why they're on my mind and how well how they got on my mind, why they're on my mind, and why they might want them on their minds for their thinking about things.
1: Welcome to another episode of Eclectic Intellection. Uh, this episode is going to be different. Uh, This is, in fact, the first uh, part of a new series on the podcast. Um, I've decided to create a short uh, series of conversations about books. These book-centered conversations will be connected to the longer discussions with my guests on the podcast, Um, and um, my main goal uh, in this uh, series will be to learn about my guest's favorite books we'll keep it short at uh, three books per episode. In this episode, we are going to talk about three books related to walking, and um, the books will be recommended by Joseph Amato, uh, with whom I talked about uh, the history of walking. You can find that episode uh, on the podcast. It's uh, episode 17. In that uh, discussion about walking, we also talked about how modernization changed walking. Uh, We talked about the connections between machines and walking uh, and also uh, about time and walking. So uh, the books that you are going to hear about here will be related to those themes. The first book that Joseph Amato chose is Eugene Weber's uh, classic and uh, very influential work, uh, which was initially published in uh, 1976 by Stanford um, University Press. The title of the book is Peasants into Frenchmen, the Modernization of Rural France, 1870 to 1914. My guest also knew Eugene Weber, uh, and uh, he'll say a few words about that. Well,
0: I knew Eugen really well. He wrote the preface to my uh, book called Victim and Values, which is a history of suffering, a very big history of the role of suffering in public rhetoric and public ideology.
1: So why, why did you pick this one as your first um, recommendation? What is, um, what is great about this book?
0: Uh, so I knew Eugen in many ways. He showed me this book when I was at that UCL at the NEH seminar with him in 1975 to 1976. He let me go in a room and sit and read his unpublished manuscript, but it was either a copy or what he was going to send to Stanford in the next week or so. And, uh, what I find is so fundamental for, if I can say, your listener whoever your audience is if they're readers and they're trying to construct history in broad periods they have to understand or they it, it would help them to understand how dramatic how recent the structuring of the world the world we know is more or less recently invented invented just on the eve of world war 1 now that's spoken Above all, as a European historian, what Weber shows is not just the roads finally make it to villages. That's just when the roads come and they get level. But guess what? That's when the draft comes right out to the village. That's when the census comes out. But that's even where the French language comes out and changes the dialects. That's where your cousins come from the city And it might not be a very big city, but they come and tell you all they have, pointing out, in effect, all you don't have. And that's when commerce starts to nibble with money at the edges of villages. I mean, it's that world that took my grandparents out of Sicily right around 1900, out of the hills of Sicily. So what Weber does is he shows us that Frenchmen until this period. They were still they still belong to the older countryside. Now he's not saying the older countryside is all one and fixed and the same, but there was a world out there that was particularized, separated, and it's only that word that gets homogenized, nationalized, unified in our times. And and so that's why I think that book is so important. And I must say, the other reason is that a thought like that underlines my view of southern Italy. It underlies my view of Sicily, on which I've written. So that's why I choose Weber.
1: The second book was written by Lewis Mumford. Um, It is titled Technics and Civilization, and it was uh, published in 1934. Lewis Mumford uh, was one of the most prominent uh, thinkers of the 20th century, uh, and he wrote on architecture, um, urbanism, and uh, the effects of uh, technology more broadly. Um, He lived between 1895 and 1990. Um, So let's begin with a few words on Mumford's um, general style of analysis. He goes from, and this is why I like him, he goes from
0: one subject to another with a causality that's not constrictive or a causality, meaning a set of causes that argue along a certain plane and then uniformly affect things. Mumford has a much more organic and mixed sense of things. And why I recommend that book is that it might suggest other things. He takes up the machine, which is an ambiguous subject to begin with. What is the machine? I mean, when does a machine start? When does a culture become in some way dependent on machine. And for Mumford, it'd be the mill. He particularly is interested in the gears and the things that allow mills to go and stop. And for him, it's the turning mill that represents the first age where a culture, be it to drain the water like in the lowlands, to grind the wheat in other lands. But the primacy of the mill But then the sublimity, the intellectual sublimity of a clock, what's Mm -hmm. the difference between telling time by a clock or telling it by the sun going up and down? What's the difference in the time, that kind of time? So we start to deal with the quantification of time with the clock, and then you add to it the naval compass And all of a sudden, our world starts to be linear and direct. And what Mumford says is we must constantly work to bring our technologies into
1: some kind of organic relation to our lives. The third book is titled The Myth of the Eternal Return, Uh, Cosmos and History, and it was uh, written by Mircea Eliade. Uh, This book was published by Princeton University Press in 1954, um, but that was actually a translation. The book was originally uh, published in French in uh, 1949. So what is the connection between this work and the idea of time that we discussed in relation to walking?
0: In my undergraduate years, I learned about the power of ritual and myth for us to organize groups. And I meant small groups. And in a way, if you want to simplify this, I mean, I'm making it dramatic, but this is what I learned. I had to start to think about, does ritual come before myth? Our rituals are where we carry on our essential activity And then our myths help us go this way. Now, Iliade is only one who was thinking along this line, let us say in the anywhere from nineteen twenty up to nineteen sixty. There were lots of beginnings of folklore, a lot of anthropology. In the cosmos and history, he sees one of our first attempts to organize time, to organize it if you wish. Around death and rebirth, or the regeneration of the cosmos. Our most general concept of time was our most general concept of life that things die and things are reborn and they're born again. But those are crisis periods. When you die, it's sort of a crisis. When you're reborn, it's somewhat a different crisis. And then when you die again it's a crisis so our rituals particularly our springtime rituals must rejuvenate us now he considers that the reach of early time thinking he then fully recognizes with judaism and christianity time becomes irreversible and becomes linear Uh, if i can put that in other words History doesn't repeat itself. History, one day here, that day never comes back again, which is a completely different orientation towards being. Is being singular, dramatic, and irreversible, or does it renew itself by ritual and hope? And that is fundamentally so different from secular, material, scientific time which is causal, influential, and doesn't deal with renewal. And those between those three points, there can be tremendous gaps and brokenness in the modern mind. Uh, If I can just add one more sentence, would you rather have a truth that saves you or a truth that you know is right? And there's a lot of difference between even what we take truth to be. So uh, what I'm saying, why I chose Iliade, is it takes you to the core of the time issue. I've written essays on my family history. And the theme is, my, in the distance between me and my grandmother's childhood, both my grandmothers, is
1: extraordinarily long. I promised we would keep this segment on books short, so um, we'll stop here. Thank you again so much for these intriguing uh, descriptions, and uh, thanks again for the longer discussion on the history of uh, walking.
0: Thank you very much.